if you don't have goals, you might have a great vision, you might have great mission, you might even have a good culture. But if you don't have goals, you don't have that first step, right? Of the thousand mile. You're journey. not being productive. Right. It's all theory. Yeah, it's all it's theory. theory. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. Have you seen this brand? I have. Yeah. What but do you think? I haven't ever had it. What is it? It's Monster? water. What? You nev you've never heard about this. I've it's, seen uh, it. It's Liquid mountain death. spring water. Oh, it's mountain water. Well, it's just it's literally just mountain spring water. But they are a seven hundred million dollar brand now. And so basically it's a guy that is sober now wanted something that he could take to a party and look like he was drinking a beer or whatever, but it was just water. And so it's called liquid <laughs> death and it's like huge. Take it but off. Someone gave what, me a What did that can of, of water cost you? Oh, no, you they're actually really it. expensive uh, for, for water. It's like three bucks for this, but I didn't buy it. Someone gave me a case of it. Uh, from like Sam's Club or something. So it's in my office. Marketing but doesn't matter. I don't care what people say. It doesn't Not matter. at all. Not at all. Gosh. Positioning. Positioning. Yeah. yeah. That's that's true. Really so liquid death. You yeah. will not see me with one of those in my hand. I'm going to bring you one. Gives it to me. Well, I'm going to bring you one. Case, you can keep it on your desk and you can talk yeah. about marketing. Doesn't yeah, matter. there we go. There you go. No, I, uh, I took... Uh, Pal and Mila to the airport this morning because they're going to visit uh, Pal's sister and the cousins. So where's that? Where uh, they live? They're in Houston. So I took them down there, and then that's why I was late for this recording. Or so that's why I pushed you it back. took them to the airport. Yeah. You mean you took them up there? Yes, I took them up there, and I drove it's back up north, down south, back east, and out west. Okay, hold on. Up north, down south, back east? Yeah. And out west? Yeah. How would you say? Where do they live? Oh, back east somewhere. What would you say? Uh, the east coast. They live on the east coast. <laughs> no. I know people, one that I love dearly, always says, well, they're uh, out in New York. And I go, no, they're not out in New York. They're back in New back York. Back in New York. Right. This I same person... In the old, <laughs> I have a. Have you ever Bacon listened to Dills. Malcolm Gladwell's podcast? Oh, I have. I've read a couple of his books, but I have, no, his I books are good. His but his podcast is great. Um, uh, revisionist history. It's revisits things in history that are overlooked or forgotten, and uh, they're short thirty-minute podcasts. But I've been re-listening to those uh, from the first season, and I listened to one that you would really like. Uh, called Divide and Conquer is the name of the episode, but okay. it's about semicolons, uh, specifically in the Constitution of the United uh -huh. States. And it's very fascinating. Uh, but basically, there's so when Texas became a state, there was it was in the Constitution that they added it as a state. And when they ratified it, they gave Texas the opportunity because it was so big at the time, it was its own country. To the, to the opportunity to break up into five separate states. And so that provision is still in the Constitution. And 
Texas could do that still. Like it, nothing has ever been passed to revoke that, and there's no timetable on it. Well, they could make Austin a state and the rest of the Texas a different state. Well, actually, <laughs> there's – so El Paso to San Antonio, they're like they, – basically on the show he has somebody go in and uh, who's like a geopolitical analyst and like, hey, how would you divide these into states if you had to? And he had uh, Houston kind of as its own. Houston then East would be its own. Then they had uh, Austin to – I think Austin and Dallas were together, actually. And then, like, the Amarillo area was its own. And then San Antonio to El Paso was its own. But anyways, if they did that, it would add seats to the Senate, which is crazy. Like, wow. That, you know, that the, each one would get two Senate seats, which would be huge. And uh, you would think that would add to Republican side. But actually, the analyst said, like, it'd be really hard to draw five states to get majority of them to be... Republican, Republican. It, it would actually be majority Democratic because um, it's because it's really the rural areas that are Republican. Right. But in between the rural areas are these massive cities that have, you know, the, the population. Democrats. Yeah. Democratic. There, I know there's so. uh, it may have to do with that. But Texas, I think because it joined voluntarily, it's been a long time since I heard this story. It's the only state that can fly its flag equal or higher than the United States flag. Mm. I didn't realize I, that. I got that I've bit seen of information it. on a riverboat in San Antonio, you know, on the Paseo deal, the yeah. river walk. Yeah, a guy was telling mm. us about that. So, Very interesting. Well, last time we talked about uh, getting organized, and yep. we're continuing that part two. I don't know if we're going to make it all in part two or if I'll do a part three or not, but we went through the first three vision, mission, culture. If you haven't listened to that episode, go and do that because it'll help with this episode and understanding it. Um, I'm not going to do a recap of it because you can just go listen to it. Right, Warren? Well, we can say that absolutely, but we can say what the nine essentials of an organized business. Okay. Are. Why don't you give us a recap of the nine? Yeah. Vision, mission, culture, goals, an organizational chart, processes, job descriptions, how-tos, and KPIs. So that's just yep. a recap of all of them. I think that's yep. nine. Yeah, that's all nine. I got them all, or you got them all. So why do you put vision before goals? Because everybody has to have a why for what we're doing. Why are you doing this? If you lack that motivation, which is pretty common, people don't have a a real solid reason other than to get through the day and maybe make some money and maybe not go broke. But if you're truly inspired by something and it can be altruistic or it can even be self-serving, uh, meaning I want to save the world and provide jobs for people would be altruistic. And I'm going to do that by running my construction business mm -hmm. or it can just be, look, uh, it's worthwhile to have a business. I'm serving society when I have a business, but my goal is to make a bunch of money and sell this business to my top people. So that's yeah. a little bit of both, you know. Uh, but there needs to be a real reason, and most of the people I work with can't articulate that reason, that, that why. So yeah. if you're just doing it because we're at a coaching session or we're at a workshop and we say, you need a vision, and you, you come up with stuff that doesn't really drive you 
or you don't have a good goal in mind or a good vision in mind, which I guess is a type of goal. It's one that usually can't be attained. It's bigger than that. But if, why are you doing this? I mean, you're going to have this extra work. Uh, you're going to be spending all this time working on something. Uh, Jim, Ra- Jim Rohn says, if the prize is apparent, the price is easy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a prize, which is your vision, this purpose, then everything you're doing is just a bunch of work. Or maybe it's work that gets you through the day or the week or the month or solves an immediate problem, but it's not. We just have to have a reason for, for well, I doing think it. Also, we have to have clarity on you know, if the goal matters or not. I think so many times you can be chasing a goal just because you think that it matters. But how many times do you run into people right. that have a sales goal but no profit goal? Right. You know, and they're just chasing sales. Yeah. So I, I think the vision allows you to understand the true path to get there, whereas a goal is a step, but is it a step in the right direction or is it a step that you're taking in vain? Uh, so I think that if you, when you have that vision, it becomes a lot clearer if you're setting the right goals for your vision. I think we talked about this last week, so we don't need to do all of it again, but some people really do have lofty, altruistic, big picture goals and they and they really believe that they get up in the morning and that's what they think about but they they also and I say goals I'm talking about a vision as being a long-term goal others their vision is truly like my little short saying a highly profitable business that can work without you yeah where e-myth Michael Gerber people say that if yeah. you if that's really what you're working for in three years I want to be on the sidelines and I want to come in once a month or once a week maybe to give the flywheel a push. But that's really possible and that really motivates me because that's what I really want to do. Then the time that you put in to get organized has purpose and reason. And without that, uh, you're just not going to get it done in my experience. Well, I think... It's, it's hard sometimes to wake. I mean, you, you have to have a lot of, I don't know, motivation, willpower, discipline, focus to be able to think about your vision every morning when you wake up. But I think that, I mean, it, it's possible, though, if it's that well, inspiring. Well, I, at the risk of disagreeing a little bit, no, Jeff Finney, whom we've talked about many times, his vision is to be the most efficient cabinet component manufacturer in the world. And he has some other things that maybe I can't. Well, no, he said it in his in his podcast that his vision is to sell yeah. uh, for enough money that he can live comfortably going forward. Yeah. I promise you, he thinks of that every morning when he gets up. It's his singular purpose. Now, well, in order to that, do that, I have to fill out this form or do this work, but that, that pushes him. Well, and, and that's where I push back a little bit. Like, yes, it does push him, but he hasn't he's got it broken down into more milestones too of like, what is the next step, you know? And that's where I think that what we're going to talk about with goals is, Hey, it's hard to just see, like have a vision, start just running towards it. You've got to have mile markers. You've got to have milestones where you know that you're on the right path, but you can just focus on, you know, that spot. You know, it's, it's kind of like whenever I'm on a run, yeah, I might be running nine miles, but if I'm just thinking about mile nine, it's actually really hard to stay motivated and push. But if I can think about, hey, I'm going to that street light or I'm going to, 
you know, that turn in the, in the corner up there, I can push myself to that point, right? Uh, and it's a lot easier to focus on just the present. And I think that's where it becomes difficult at times is sometimes you can spend, set goals that are too, too far away. You're, you're reaching for mile seven, but you, what if you just set a goal to mile one where you have that milestone and then when you get there, you're, you feel a bit of a success and accomplishment and that allows you to feel like, okay, I can make it to mile two. I can make it to mile three. Right. I think that's the value with setting milestones. And, and likewise, sometimes the goal is too short. It's a goal for today, but you don't know what the goal is for the week or for the next week. Well, the old, there's a Chinese proverb. I think it's Chinese. Heard it for many years. You know, a guy holds up a container and pours rocks in it till they're full. Is the container full? The student says yes. He puts in smaller pebbles. Is the container full? Oh, yeah, now it is. Then he puts in sand. Oh, now it is. And then he pours in water. So I think milestones, we can use that maybe instead of goals. It doesn't obviate the need for a vision. We're doing this for a reason. But my first step is maybe the water in that Chinese metaphor, the small things that fill the inner in-between spaces. So, yeah, I think... Your original question is, what are goals? I think that was your original question. And that's that's what they are. They're milestones, but they're taking you somewhere. Yeah. Is the milestone up north, down south, back east, or out west? Because <laughs> you have to know which direction you're starting. Exactly. Well, I, I mean, it kind of goes And, and I'll saying. just say, too, if you didn't intend to run miles, nine miles, you wouldn't have run the first one. And by the way, I did notice that you dropped in nine miles. You didn't say a mile. Yeah, I, don't, I run more than that, but I didn't say <laughs> 26 miles because I'm not doing marathons. That's right. right. No, um, I think it kind of goes without saying, I think a lot of people have heard about goals, but we'll just mention it. Smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-specific or time-bound. Uh, make sure that your goals are smart so that you can actually measure them, you can track them, you can you know when they're due, and you can hold yourself accountable really to those goals. Uh, so a, a goal isn't just, I want to make a million dollars, you know, I mean, sure, that's a, maybe a benchmark that you're trying to reach, but it's not very specific. Um, I want to well, make a million specific, dollars doing but this, it's not but attainable this profit. for a lot of people. Right. Right. Uh, uh, how much profit is in that? What kind of services are you selling? When do you want to do it by? Uh, how, what is your plan for doing it? All that kind of stuff. Um, I think another thing is, do you find that people are reluctant to set clear goal or maybe not reluctant, but not very good at setting goals for their employees, not just their company and not just themselves, but for individual employees. Uh, Yes, that is a problem with a number of clients I'm dealing with right now is I have one client who had a list of five people and he said, I don't know why these people are here. And we can get real mad and say, well, they need to be doing something. And, but it's on us. They need to know why they're there. They need to know where, how they're uh, measured. And I think it was Andy Grove. See the guy started her Intel, right? I don't know. Well, anyway, beyond my time, I have a epilogue in my, or epigraph in my, in my book. And he says, at some point you need to be able to say we accomplished it. Yes or no. No judgment, right? So that goes back to your SMART goals. 
people who work for you need to understand what their role is and what the goals are, and they need to know, did we do it or did we not? So um, we need goals all around, and, and getting an organized company, bringing it back kind of to the, to the big picture. I generally throw goals into uh, uh, three different categories, and one's the big lofty goal, which is an intermediate between where you are and your vision, right? Mm -hmm. So my vision is to not have to come to work and have a system-run business but employing people who want to be here and are good at their work and, and all that. That's, that's my goal. I want to do that in three years. An intermediate might be I need to, be a, I need to write systems, right, which yeah. is one of the topics today. And you can accomplish that goal. It's a, it's a milestone. It's an intermediate. And it might be an, a year-long goal. Mm -hmm. Running systems might be year-long. Uh, what I try to get to with all the sessions of all my clients who are working together, we talk about many things, big picture, lots of things, lofty goals, distant future, all kinds of things. But by the end of the meeting, we need to reduce it to something that somebody can actually do that week. Yeah. Okay? And I literally have a client last week, and they did it. I said, we're writing goals. I want you to buy a three-ring notebook and tab dividers, and I want you to make a tab you know, the dividers that go in a three-ring notebook for a different tab for every box on your org chart. Just do that. That's a yep. totally achievable, do-it-right-now yep. goal, and we made progress. And they did it. And it became apparent then. I said, look, we're going to have these systems all electronically stored at some point in the future. But by having it in a notebook, you can see your progress. You can see what you're doing. And we immediately wrote about five first step of, we'll talk about that in a bit, but five process outlines and put them in a notebook and we made measurable progress at the meeting. So big lofty goal, often the distant future is the vision. The intermediate goal is some subset of that, a milestone that's taking me toward that vision. And then the actionable item, like the more specific goal is what do I have to do this week? It always has to come down to something you can actually do this week or maybe even today because the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, right? It does. If you don't take the first step, you're not going anywhere. I think a big challenge for business owners with goals is that, the, that we've talked about it in the past, but tyranny of the urgent, they get sucked into all these questions and all these problems. And I think it's unrealistic sometimes to expect multiple days a week where you're going to have huge chunks of time to just focus. And I saw a really good formula called 333. You may have heard of it, uh, but it's really just getting three hours of deep work focus time, three hours to work on your goals, three, and it's just one task. Don't muddy the water and do all these different tasks. No multitasking. Focus on that, that big audacious goal that you have, big hairy goal for three hours and you've broken into maybe something for that three hours that you can do. And after you've done three hours of that or before whatever, that's one of the things you're accomplishing in that day. You have three small tasks that might be a meeting with your manager, meeting with some one of your employees. It might be going through and reviewing something that's already been done. It might be sending some invoices, whatever uh, those three small tasks are. They're usually can be done. All three can usually be done inside of an hour or two. Um, and they don't have to be, in consecutive hour or two time. Then the last one is three maintenance tasks. 
maintenance tasks might be keeping up with your email, um, might be going through your calendar and making sure you have agendas for all of your meetings or whatever it is. But I think that's a really good formula for being able to achieve your goals. Because if you don't define what a productive day is and you don't define what you're going to do each day, then you're trying to sh shoot at an, a moving target and it's really difficult. So I, I don't know. That's something that I've been using in the past couple months. Not every single day, but definitely multiple days a week. And it's really helped me to just stay focused a little bit more and to not let like my maintenance tasks of letting my email define my day or my Slack define my day because there's all these things coming up. So anyways. Well, of those, I will be happy with my clients if they get the first one. In other words, we chunk out a, a section of time on the calendar. I am not available and you are absolutely in control of that. You can you do that. Uh, you, if you do not do that, it is a choice you made to take that customer's call rather than have your secretary or whatever say, he will call you at four o'clock today. And in that three hour chunk, which a lot of people find really hard to do, but it's uh, absolutely necessary. In that three hour chunk, you focus on one task that you def define. I'm gonna write two systems today. Yeah. Right, or I'm gonna outline two systems today. But if you chunk that time off, it's time blocking, time management, default calendar, whatever you want to call it. But you start there. Some people can schedule their whole week in one-hour chunks, and and more power to you if you can do that. I haven't been able to do that personally. It's just not me. But I can take chunks, and I have them on my calendar right now. That mm -hmm. I do my writing, I do my planning, or planning some coursework, and it does two things. One, it gives you a time so that you actually get something done. You may not finish it, but you get something done. Mm -hmm. And then it alleviates the stress of, oh, I, I need to get that done. I need to be doing this while you're trying to do other tasks. So you're out in the quotidian world of day-to-day -day operations, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, oh, crap, I gotta get I've got to do this. You can chill because I'm going to work on that Thursday afternoon between 1 and 4 because that's my block time. And that's up to you. you uh, listeners can do that today. Just yeah. go out next week, or maybe you have to go two weeks because of prior commitments, chunk out a bunch of time, and don't do it. Yeah. It's, and it is a little bit harder for some people than others. If you're more introverted, you're probably going to crave that time and really be excited for it. I'm a bit more extroverted, and I've always, I think I've also got some ADHD. If you haven't heard me on a podcast before, then. You, you would maybe not know, but if you've heard me, then I'm always all over the place sometimes. But They're listening 88, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talking about Malcolm Gladwell podcasts and taking kids to the airport when we're talking about getting organized. Anyways, uh, something that I'm actually experimenting with right now, I'm in the process of hiring a personal assistant. And something that I'm going to be doing with them is just work collaboration. I tend to thrive whenever I'm in a meeting with someone and I can process externally rather than internally. And just being in the room with someone to work on something, even if they're not adding any value at all, but just there to keep me accountable and to, to be you know a sound sounding board uh, is super helpful for me. And I've experimented with a couple of, of people as a part of the interview process and it's it's been fantastic. I get things done so much faster I'm able to focus on just one thing. I'm not looking at my phone. 
I'm not checking my email. I'm not being distracted by multitasking. Well, they, they do things like perhaps uh, bring you back to the topic at hand. Exactly. Which, which at this point is goals. Yeah. Right? We did Vision, Mission, Culture last podcast. We're talking goals right now. And it is one of the requirements of, a, of an organized business because people need to know what they're doing. It. The big picture was the vision and the mission, and they need to know reduced down to what can I actually do. And that, that's the goal levels. They can be monetary goals. They can be time goals. They can be system goals. But they need to be steps along the way that are taking you towards your ultimate vision. So um, goal writing, lots of people do it. Quarterly, uh, I tend to be more pragmatic. We have a goal of doing something, and we move on to the next one when we've done that. So yeah. I'm not huge on time constraints with my clients except the weekly issues. We have to do sure. this this week, and this is why. But if you don't have goals, you might have a great vision. You might have great mission. You might even have a good culture. But if you don't have goals, you don't have that first step, right? Of the thousand mile You're journey. not being productive. Right. It's all theory. Yeah, it's all it's theory. It's theory. Right. Yeah. And it's still theory until you act on the goals, but you're closer sure. to being reality rather than theory. So let's talk about org charts, the next step of getting organized. Okay. And I think that we have episodes on this in the past uh, that we'll link down in the show notes. But a lot of times whenever you think of an org chart, you think of just a bunch of names on a board. And there's a hierarchy, maybe, and um, yeah, there's different departments, and it, you just write in people's names. But that's not how we recommend starting, or, or even organizing your org chart. Why do we not put names on the org chart to start? Well, let me say first that an org chart is absolutely essential. It's a map. An org chart is a picture of the way you want your company to look when you're finished with it, right? When you begin a business, um, you fill every box in your org chart. And uh, going back to what you're alluding to, people have real difficulty. I'm working with companies right now that we're in the process of creating org charts. And the first question is, why does it matter? Well, it gives you a picture, as I just said, of what your company looks like when it's done. It never gets done, but at least done as far as you can have. We, it is where you accumulate processes and tasks, and it also tells you the way people use org charts in an unskilled method is, as I used to do, you make an org chart because the bank wanted to see it, investor wanted to see it, kind of who works here kind of thing. But that's not its highest and best purpose. It is to guide you in making your choices about how you're building your company. Back to your original question, how do we use them and why do you not use names? The way we build a, an org chart is by functions. We've talked about it before, but there are four functions in business. Guiding the business, which is leadership. Getting the business, which is marketing. Doing the business, which is operations and administering the business, which is everything else, bookkeeping, HR, IT, all of those kinds of things. Every business has to perform all of, the, all of those functions. And you have, when you design your business by function, 
let's let's just take an example over under administration let's say in your company you have a lady named wanda and she keeps your books she answers the telephones uh, she does purchasing and she's really good at hr right so you've got this person that performs four functions books reception purchasing and and hr stuff well if you were to create a box on your org chart that said wanda and you said what she does those four things You've designed your company around a person, not a process. If you create an org chart that does not have names in it, but you have a function for HR, you have a function for bookkeeping, you have a function, and when I say a function, I mean a box, uh, for receptionist purchasing in HR, you now have your company designed by functions, partly designed, rather than by personalities. You're a small company, and Wanda still does those things. But the way you deal with that is you put Wanda's name in each box. You don't create a box specially designed for Wanda. And you go through all the parts of your business. You sit and think about it. I'm the boss. How do I want it to work after that? Do you have a chief operating officer? What is his or her functions? Do you have a chief marketing officer, a chief sales uh, a sales manager, what are their functions? Uh, do you have, like I said, um, the production manager with project managers under it? But when you you go through the exercise, and, it, and it's hard to do, but it's very enlightening. People think they could just create an org chart. Well, I encourage our listeners to take out a piece of paper and sit down and do it. Put your name at the top and say, I'm the president and CEO. Now what? And, but just remember that you have to cover all four functions. I see lots of org charts when I see them that obviously somebody's emphasis, like a marketing agent, agency, a HubSpot's this way. You see a, a sample org chart and it's all heavy on account administrators, designers, uh, you know, rainmakers, people who are going out and selling. There's not a word in there about HR, IT, you know, who's doing payroll, who's keeping the books. There's not a word in there uh, about leadership, so it's it's all about what they do. You have to cover all four functions in your org chart. I think it brings so much clarity when you do it that way to all of the hats that you wear as the owner of the business. Right. Or all of the hats that your key player owns. Wanda. On your, yeah. On your, yeah, Wanda. And it really brings clarity to what needs to happen going forward. Like, how are you going to fill this out? How, what your next steps are for hiring? What your next steps are for, you know, firing yourself? Um, and you're, shows you're, you where you're vulnerable. You're you're dead on on that second point, especially one of the highest and best uses of an org chart is determining your next hire, right? Yeah. So let's say you're the owner and you have a good org chart. You've got you as a leader. You've got you as a sales guy. You got you as a marketing guy got you as your production guy below production you got project manager below project manager you've got superintendent not superintendent but uh, team leads and you've got labor you got machine operators well you start thinking through all that they're different functions a machine operator is different than a guy that humps concrete bags right so right. they're different things and you start it's your business you do all of those things today you look through that org chart typically from the bottom up because that's where the least expensive hires are and you make the least terminal mistakes if you're wrong. 
you don't want to hire a CEO before while you're still driving the truck, right? But you, you look at your org chart and you say, which of these positions, if I hired them, would free up most of my time? And it gives you a map to do that. And we literally do that with our clients. They say, well, I'm thinking about hiring a CNC operator. So, well, is that what you really need? What, what Our goal is to free you so that you don't have to come to work every day. Where's your time going? Are you spending any time on the CNC? Well, no. You know, is it a huge capacity problem? Well, not really. Well, where are you spending time? I'm doing takeoffs and ordering stuff. Okay, how many hours a week? You know, 25 hours a week I spend doing that. So if we hired an estimator who could do takeoffs and be also be a purchasing agent, that's your first hire because it bought you the most time, right? Yeah. Well, when it's laid out in the form of an org chart and it's laid flat on the on your desk, it's a map that you can follow to, to begin to staff your company without just knee-jerk reactions, how you feel that day. Yeah. I think it's it's not an easy one to accomplish getting the org chart done, but it's definitely where you start to see things much bigger picture as a business owner and and not, and as a reality, not just theory. Like it is still theory and and in practice, but you're actually doing most of those things already. You know, there may be a new division that you want to have one day or something like that, but for the most part, you're already doing those things, and so it really gives you a clear picture of reality and what the future could look like very tangibly so yeah and very i had practice. a had a person in here yesterday client actually and they're working on that it's a lady and she said my gosh it really made me start to think um and if if you start it you will have a lot of questions like well what if, you know this person talks to that person so you got sideways lines on there right like bill works for bob but bill also has to tell james what to do and you get all complicated it's First of all, the problem with that is you're thinking about people, right? Mm-hmm. The second issue is uh, having an organization chart that describes positions incorporated by function into the way you want your business to look does not preclude somebody on the even level in the org chart talking to somebody else, right? Yeah, You can do it. You, you're just not the, the flow of assignments, and I don't want to say command, but... Uh, somebody higher on an org chart would give instructions and do the performance re- a review for somebody lower on the chart. Doesn't mean they can fire him even if you don't want that. It just yeah. it's an order of organization and and how the responsibilities flow through your organization. Yeah, I think also for your team once they see an org chart like that, right. especially with key players that are really invested, uh, it really opens up their their mind and their eyes to all the work that they're doing, but all the potential they have in the company. It gives a, a really clear view of not just their role, but the vision of the company and where we're going. And so extremely helpful to do that. Um, I think this really helps with the next part of getting organized. Um, probably, honestly, the, the biggest like one-two punch that we have here of once you get this done, it's so much easier to do the next one. And that's with right. the systems. Because right. once Processes. you have each role defined, the processes and systems for that role, you can really focus on what which one needs it the most, right? And you you can take it one by one, and that it, it really does kind of set up uh, getting your systems done 
for the most part. Uh, we had Michael Mills on, I believe, uh-huh. on the podcast Touchstone. with Touchstone. Why don't we talk about Touchstone really fast? Uh, Touch, Touchstone is a uh, is an online way to get organized. You create on their cloud software um, an org chart. Yeah. And beneath the org chart, you do what the next step is. You begin to write bullet points under each box that describe what their responsibilities are of that job. So I'm a purchasing agent. Well, the first thing I might do is check with sales every day. Hopefully it's more than just a call, but hey, have we sold anything? You know, get the plans, enter them into your software uh, so that you have a record of it. Assign it to somebody or or print it off so that you can do it. Uh, You have the takeoffs, you have so much time, but as a project estimator, you have a place to get your inputs, and then there's a sequence of steps that you go through to get a defined output, which might be an estimate of material. It might even be the price, if you know, and then send the price to the owner or whoever for final review. How do you check that stuff? So if I have Project Estimator on my org chart in Touchstone, I can record it right there. One of the convenient things about it is it gives access to people. Um, if you have a project estimator, they can have their own login, can go right to it. It's on their cloud. They can see and see all their job description or all their job duties by title, which by the way, become a job description. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got all these processes by title. You can click on a process. It will articulate the steps. It allows you to do things like embed videos. So you want somebody to get trained on driving a forklift you can do a video of a guy properly driving a forklift and embed it. Uh, Loom videos, as we've talked about, I think, before, on computer processes, rather than describe what the picture you're looking at, um, how to navigate a screen in some software, and try to describe that in words. You can take a Loom video of you doing it. You can embed it. Uh, If there are documents they need to fill out, you can embed the documents. So it's a pretty convenient um, I think it's $150 a month for unlimited number of people. Right. Uh, but you also get access to, it's basically like a um, shared community in a sense where if somebody's already written a job, uh, a system for a task or, a, um, you know, a job description or a system in their company, whatever it might be, you're going to be able to kind of pull from the database. Yeah. They have of a, what they other have a library. Done. Like yeah, for things library. like a purchase order procedure or yep. there are universal processes that go in every box on an org chart. And what an example that springs to mind is how do I request vacation time off? Right. Well, you fill out this form and there it is right there and you can click it, fill it out, either hand it in manually or however you want to electronically transmit it. But how do I turn in receipts? Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, how do I take sick days? You know, so there are universal systems that go in every box, but there are also systems that are specific to each box on the org chart. So uh, with the with systems, let's even talk about the importance of systems. I, I'm sure that most uh, listeners have listened to us talk about this in the past, or they're already familiar with it. But let's just refresh the importance of systems. How is it? How does it change your business? Well, let's talk about what they don't, what you don't want, as well as what you do want. When people say, I don't want to work corporate, 
right? We all kind of know what that means. What it really means is I don't want to go deal with the bureaucracy where I'm gathered <laughs> by. It doesn't, five people have to sign off to put us, to put a picture in the conference room, right? Or just, mm-hmm. you can't spend more than a thousand. We don't want to create a bureaucracy, right? That is the opposite of what we want to do. That would be a negative outcome to writing systems. But 80% of what you do every day or more is repetitive. You got up at the same time, likely. You got up on the same side of the bed. You brushed your teeth the same way. You left the house at the same time. You came to work at the same time. Made coffee the same way. You know, there are all these things that you do that are repetitive. And you can standardize those and you can capture best practices. So somebody does something really well and efficiently. Somebody else does it less well and less efficiently. You can take from the good and institute it in the bad and have a standard operating procedure. I say 80% of things can be systemized. Some things probably more, some less, some creative things maybe less. But what I'm trying to emphasize is that 20% is left you're hiring people, employees are people, and you you want their brains. You don't want to make automatons out of them. But that's the benefit is that 80% of what you can do can be done consistently, can be done the same way. If you find an improvement, you can change the process, and it spreads throughout your organization because everybody's working from systems. Yeah. In passing, it also makes your company much more valuable. Uh, people who want to buy a company, if you're fully systemized and if you have a system run company versus a people run company, it's worth more. That's a general statement, but that's generally true Uh, because a potential buyer can come in and oh, that's all laid out for me. That's one of the benefits of Touchstone as well as it's in a standardized form on a cloud with people who can walk you through it if you forget how to use it. (laughs) Right, yeah. I think it just, I mean, why it makes you more valuable, it differentiates you. You know, there's there's so many businesses out there that truly don't run systems that if you do, then you've already set yourself apart. And right. everything well, runs smoother, that's, you know what to work true. on, you know what to improve. That, yeah. That's true, but they also really like it because it tells them what to do. Yeah, um, and it's they're the not worried about losing hit. teammates. Right. People right. leave the team, you can hire them, train them on the systems. Right. Keep it going. Well, real quickly, in writing systems, too, can be a daunting task. And so I have a process I use, and it begins with the org chart. You have to have the functions, not the people, but the functions. And I'll use an example of a bookkeeper, right? We took bookkeeper and made it a separate function, even though Wanda's still doing it. But I look at bookkeepers. The next step is with Wanda or just out of your own brain or with a team, whoever it is, what does a bookkeeper do? And you just write down bullet points. They enter invoices, they reconcile the bank, they enter bills, they pay bills, you know, they provide financial, this is a lot for just a regular old bookkeeper, but they (laughs) do uh, payroll, right? So you, you put those bullet points there. You don't even, in the process of beginning systems, you, you don't even attempt to write how to do payroll. You just right. put under bookkeeper. The bookkeeper is going to be responsible for payroll. If for every function in your business you have those bullet points, this is what we expect this person, 
these are the functions we're going to have to train this person on. You'll be in the top two or three percent of all companies in the world. It's true. And honestly, that's that can still be a daunting task for people if there's, you know, say they've got to do that for 40 different functions in their business. Um, it can be pretty daunting. I think this is an excellent use case for ChatGPT to use AI, not to do the work for you, but to just give you something Probably other than ideas. a blank canvas to stare at, right? You just put in each role, hey, please list in bullet points all of the duties and responsibilities of a bookkeeper. And it'll give you, and you can even say, give me 20 bullet points or 30 bullet points. And then it gives you the 30 and then you can refine, you can change, you can modify to fit your company. And then you go to the next one. And then all of a sudden, a task that may have taken you, I don't know, a couple of weeks at least, can now you can probably do in a couple of days. Um, right. So something to, that's a really good use case of using AI is all, all these functions in your business have probably been done before and there's something about it on the internet. So let AI find that for you and at least give you a, a stepping stone rather than just you know an open path. For, for considering the list anyway. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that we, you know, and this maybe gets into a little bit of the how-tos, which we're going to talk about next time, but other tools, we mentioned Loom, really good for recording videos or just even hosting videos. If you're going to take the video on your, you know, your phone of somebody driving the uh, skid steer, or the uh, forklift, you can then put that video onto Loom where it can be hosted. And it's a really easy shareable link that you can text someone, email, keep on a document, whatever. Um, but another one is Tango uh, for different systems that you have that are computer-based. It'll just, as you do it, you just click record on Tango. And as you do things, it'll automatically create a documented process of how to do it on the computer. So if you were entering an invoice on QuickBooks, all you would do is click record on Tango and then go input the invoice or the test invoice and then click stop and automatically take screenshot of each click you made, where you clicked, it highlights where you clicked, it writes a description of where you clicked for you, and then you can edit anything that you want Just in between. captures the process, yeah. But captures the process for you, and it's not a video, it's a written out system with pictures. Um, so there's another tool that's, that's really helpful as well. Um, yeah, I think that this is probably a good stopping point, Martin, and we okay. can do another part three on job descriptions, how-tos, and KPIs to finish out the nine essentials to an organized business. Anything else that we want to recap or cover for goals? Well, the only thing I'd say is, systems? like talking about an org chart, if, if we had a whiteboard in front of us, it's yeah. pretty easy to talk about. Yeah. Um, to describe it and say, oh, you know, I'm holding my hand up, the leader's up here, and this guy's down here, and this is over here, that's harder to do. I do have articles on every one of these, mission, vision, mission, culture, goals, org chart, systems, job description, how-tos, and KPIs on my website if people wanted to go there it's uh, anilbc.com and we could put them in the show notes but it's a lot of articles yeah. and you go to resources articles and just browse probably got a hundred of them on there but they're yeah they're step-by-step -step ways to do this people make it too hard we start by attempting and kind of freak out with somebody looking over saying no 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 just keep it simple and as they begin to do that, these realizations come in and all of a sudden they see the world differently. So 
Um, don't freak out. Maybe give, them, give it a shot. Take out a piece of paper and draw an organizational chart. Do not use any names. You will, within five minutes, you'll be using names. Don't do that. <laughs> Functions. You know, I've got a chief operating officer that's responsible for all my projects. I got a project manager. I got team leads. I got a purchasing agent. They say, well, I don't have a purchasing agent. I know, but if you double in size or triple in size or you get to the point where you have a business that works without you, you're going to have to have one. So think about that stuff, and it'll expand your horizons. And once it clicks, it'll be like, why didn't I do this before? Yeah. Well, appreciate you, Martin. Thanks for sharing your wisdom you too, man. and your knowledge, um, guys and gals. It's a lot easier said than done. This does take time. An organized business doesn't happen overnight, but stay the course. Stay the course. All right. I'll see you on the next one, Martin. Okay. Hasta luego. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.